Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am Paul, U.S. Army combat veteran, and today I'm going to complain about one of my biggest pet peeves, possibly the biggest pet peeve I have about the internet world. Uh, actually, that's a that's not true, but it's a huge one, and that is fake survival people, right? And we be sure to stick around to the end because I'm going to tell you how you should actually think about surviving. Uh, but first, we are going to complain about the vast number of people who equate being a survivalist or a prepper or whatever uh, with guns. And don't get me wrong, if you want to be someone who is self-reliant, I guess you you probably should know how to operate a firearm. But do you need $3,000 of AR-15s? No. And there are so many channels of people who be- seem to believe that. Now, now this is here's who I am not dunking on right now. I'm not dunking on people who just love guns. Guns are fun. Some people go to the range and socialize, right? That's a very expensive price of socializing. It would literally be cheaper, given current ammo prices, to go to a bar and drink like top shelf whiskey uh, in lieu of shooting uh, a couple dozen rounds out of especially a full-sized rifle or an obscure caliber. But nonetheless, right, it's, you know, more healthy than meth. I'll give you that. And if you're a gun guy, good. It, it, love it. Love collecting, shooting. Sure. Go, get, go nuts, right? I have no qualm with these people. Who I have the qualm with is the folks and really, really the marketers. Someone is so people are coming to the belief that you know the world is a dangerous, unstable place, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, they I think they're correct in their belief that the chances of natural disasters, man made disasters, um, instability in the uh, ability to get you know basic uh, life support type stuff, um, is not as fixed as we sometimes believe it is here in the u.s and and in the developed world whatever whatever that means um it's it's a nonsense term but that's a different that's a different angry podcast no i think they're broadly correct in that belief that the chances of these sort of events happening are greater than most americans appreciate and i think the last two years of the non the 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 coof as they as Brennan Herrera calls it, uh, has reminded us that things aren't that stable and like our government's ability to respond to a crisis is not great and people are also sort of pieces of shit. And so you're not wrong by asking yourself, how can I make myself, and, and this is the first sort of thing, prepping. Prepping thanks to some dirtbag TV shows, right? Because what is if you find someone who lives their life differently than yours you should absolutely exploit them for money right and certainly the history channel has done a great job of that turning prepping into something that has a terrible connotation because they found the absolutely most bananas idiots uh to profile all right instead the well the way to think about it should be resilience resilience in the face of crises so you gotta ask yourself what role do firearms play in that and some people seem to believe first first off 
Some people believe that it is a question of spending, that I can buy my way to preparedness, right, in the event of an unspecified crisis. And if you think you can just buy a weapon, learn the absolute basics of its operation, and that that will prepare you for something, it hasn't. All you've done, if you buy a weapon and you take no training, you gain no proficiency, all you've done is increase the likelihood that you or someone in your family will be hurt by that weapon. That's a fact, statistical fact, right? You have a weapon in your household, increases the chance of an accident happening, right? Obviously, right? There's a, if there's no firearm in your household, there's a 0% chance of an accident. And if you have all the robust safety measures on earth, there's a 0.0001% chance of it happening, right? So if you don't, if you, it's like buying a specialized wrench and never knowing what it does or how to actually use it. You, all you've done is transferred your money to Home Depot and you haven't actually made your, enhanced your ability to do anything because you don't know how to use the tool. So there's a lot of people, right? The bottom, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the bottom tier, right? The, the F tier uh, of prepper are people who are just like, I'm going to buy guns and ammo and that is my plan, which is not a plan. That's, you clearly have been marketed to somehow. Someone has convinced you that more guns and more ammo will help you. Fun fact, right? If a, the US Army's combat load for a patrol is 210 rounds, if you believe you need more than a thousand uh, and you don't go to the range routinely, you are a moron. That's all I have to say about that, right? Now, there's the next tier up. These are the people who own guns that are worth more than cars. And usually they own several of them. And by several, I mean like a dozen, right? And this you have to ask yourself economically. You could have bought a car. You could have bought dozens of years worth of food. You could have probably even purchased like your own compound in the Tennessee mountains somewhere for what you spent on high end precision firearms and ammunition, right? And so some of those guys go to the range, seem to be proficient with their weapons, good for them, uh, good on them. But again, you have to ask yourself, shooting steel targets at the range, is that going to prepare you for contingencies? The answer is, other than a very narrow subset, right, of shooting another person, uh, you haven't. You won't be. And there's no reason, there's not no reason, but those events in which you may find yourself needing to shoot another human being uh, are a slim subset of the bad things that can happen, right? And yet, these people pour tens of thousands of dollars, potentially, into into firearms on the belief that it makes them safer, right? But if you've studied any economics, you've heard of diminishing marginal utility, right? So the difference between a household with no guns and one gun can be pretty tremendous, right? One gun does enable you to do things that uh, non-firearm non -firearm owners can't. You can, yes, you can defend yourself from uh, someone who wants to, you know, invade your home or harm your family um, much more effectively than almost any other tool you could possibly purchase. Um, it enables you to hunt 
and to kill animals, which could be used for food. Um, right? In, and that's, I'd say that's pretty much it. And then it's just shooting people, shooting animals. But those are two huge uses, right? Those are two massively valuable uses to have. So then you ask yourself, what's the proficiency of a second gun? in a survival situation uh well another per you could have a second person who does uh, who can perform both of those functions for example if you had two people um you know it, they could both uh one could watch the front door and one the back door type situation uh you could have more than one person hunting you could have one person hunting while one person remains and secures your 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 home area sure Got it. So there's additional utility, but it's not tremendously more, right? Then what would a third gun do? I mean, I guess if you had a third person involved, it would be worth it. But, you know, how many thruples are also preppers? And you also run into this situation of what are you going to do? Is that second, that other firearm going to be so specialized in one area or another that it it's going to be the exclusive hunting rifle or the exclusive home defense rifle. Do you mean that there isn't the ability to do both, right? Those are the sort of questions that you end up stuck with. Uh, and the answer is when you get past three firearms, um, again, for prepping, for, hey, I want to be prepped for whatever, um, the utility drops massively. It's tiny, I think the gains are tiny. You know, you might get some high levels of specialization, um, or you might have a have it as a backup in case one of your weapons malfunctions. But again, most modern, if you want a a very modern, resilient weapon, you presumably can get tens of thousands of rounds out of it if you just buy a quality weapon at the get-go. So again, buying more than two guns is is it, it, so low return that there's so many other things you should consider before you do that right so now let's talk about what actually constitutes like resilience and that's the way i like to think of this sort of stuff and i think that other people should too and the way frankly the military thinks about it uh disaster response specialists think about these sort of things is not a question of all or nothing, right? I can buy my way out of a problem or that I can even solve a problem. It's just, or prepare for any contingency. The question you always have to ask yourself is what are the most likely and what are the most dangerous like events that can happen that I should be prepared for, right? And you should look at those and you can fill them out. The military actually does it on a matrix, most dangerous, right? Most likely. And it sort of tries to triangulate um, where you just have to ask yourself, what are those events? Now, how can I make that determination, right? How can I talk about most likely, most dangerous? Well, you can first look at, hey, what are some examples of events in the past? So for example, recent, recently in my neck of the woods, uh, there was a very long power outage in the winter. And it, it, the infrastructure generally sort of failed, right? But power outages in the winter are very dangerous because they drop, your home loses its ability to remain warmer or cooler than the ambient environment. In this case, it can't be warmer than the ambient environment. 
without you taking some steps. And so that created a whole bunch of dangers. Also, because the infrastructure wasn't prepared for that level of cold, uh, access to food became limited uh, for a week. And so, right, that is seen as probably, if you asked me, since it's in the recent past, uh, that's one of the most likely events. You can also look at events like uh, a very severe drought, a very severe um, storm with flooding, um if you're in the in your region it might look like hurricanes might look like uh tornadoes might look like um you know a, a a deep winter freeze like we talked about so you've got to ask yourself what are some of the most likely things that are going to cause disruptions to essential services right and so how do you make yourself resilient in the face of those disruptions well common example would be purchasing a backup generator again costs about as much as a nice AR-15. So maybe liquidate one of your safe queens and buy yourself a backup generator. Now, again, backup generator, they're not a panacea. They are gasoline powered. So you've got to have some gasoline. So you might want to make sure you have, keep the tank filled up and you change out the gasoline every so often just so it, you know, runs effectively. Right. You should also make sure that you run the generator once in a while, right? Once every six months or a year, so that you know that it works and that there's not a part missing or a filter broken or something like that. Uh, you should also get proficient with your generator so you can at least do some basic maintenance on it uh, and know, for example, that you should keep it at least 40 feet away from your house. Buddy of mine. Uh, I've, I've, so, anyway, not going to get into it. But you should definitely make sure to know it needs to be 40 feet away from the side of your house. Otherwise, those CO2 fumes can absolutely kill you, right? These are all the things that you need to just invest in. Dumb, boring, not very exciting skills, right? So how do you think about, okay, essential services have been disrupted. What do you need to do? How do you set priorities of effort? Well, the first priority you should always ask yourself, right? Human beings, our body, we need oxygen. We can go three, we, we have only three minutes is the rule of thumb, right? For how long you can go without oxygen. Yeah, I know. I'm sure we were all kids and held our breath for five minutes and we were all pretty proud of it, right? It's a good rule of thumb. If for some, so for example, again, uh, that would be an example of no having a fire escape plan in your house. Remember when we were kids and the fire department was like, hey, have a plan to get out. That's an example of a situation in which you have, you have to resolve the fact that you are running out of oxygen, okay? So that's something simple as knowing how to get out from your bedroom or knowing how to get down from a window. Something to think about, right? Next, you have, you can go 72 hours, three days without water. So ask yourself, if you had to, how long could you go without water or with the water sources that you have? Fun fact, gallons of water don't expire. So $3, which at current prices is the cost of like half a round of 556, uh, for $3, you can buy three gallons of water. Gallon of water is about a person per day um, in heat, probably about a quarter to a half gallon is what you would really need to get by. So if you were to say, hey, if we were to have the water pipes freeze, you we would want to be able to last a week okay well for your family how many gallons of water is that do you want tucked away and the other thing to ask yourself is do you keep do you have some water in your car you might want to think about it right so then you got to ask yourself okay how do i solve the basic problems of 
water. Okay, solve that problem. Next one is food. You can go up to three weeks without food, uh, but it can be pretty uncomfortable. So ask yourself, do you have a supply of dried food that you can preserve and eat easily? Uh, Freeze-dried backpacking food is a great example of this. It lasts like 30 years and you can buy it at REI for seven bucks a meal. Um, but also even stuff like ramen, uh, even just dumb big bags of rice. It's worth having a little bit of a contingency so that in the event that you don't have power or heat or access to a supermarket, you can at least eat for, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of days with what you just have in your house. Okay. So now that you've talked about the big three that'll help you in the event of an imminent crisis, right? You know, a, a, a crisis of, let's say, three to five days of, of truly not having access to things, right? Oh, the other one, sorry, I missed one of the th rule of three. Of course, shelter. You can go three hours exposed to the elements. Question to ask yourself, again, if your house loses its ability to heat or cool the environment appropriately, how can you help that contingency? Generator is a great example. Com you know, Commercial backpacking sleeping bags, another great example. Um, even... Things like they have the solar panels that can uh, charge like power walls that can then be used to help run your house. That's an example, right, of something that may be able to help you out in a crisis and may, you know, maintain a level of sheltering from a house. Or again, your house is destroyed. Do you have a, a tent? Do you know how to build a shelter, right? So it's sort of stuff to think about. And, you know, we're, while we're on the topic of shelter... A lot of people talk about resilience and prepping in their home. And certainly that's where we spend most of our time now in this sort of work from home era for many of us. But a lot of times people get lost hiking around. They get lost in a in their cars, right? In a car accident. Uh, so it's worth asking yourself, okay, am I prepared for those sort of things? Am I going to be resilient if that happens? And that's a different set of equations a little bit. You got to ask yourself, what are the most likely and most dangerous things that can happen to me in a car? And so how do you prepare for those? Again, I keep some basic tools, splints, bandages, water, uh, food. Um, I keep a actually a, a, a uh, warm outer layer and a pair of long johns in my car as well as socks and a hat. Uh, guess what? Do I use them for emergencies? Sometimes those emergencies are, damn, it is really effing cold out here and I should have brought a jacket. Well, guess what? I just go into my car, I pull out the pullover and I'm set, right? Sounds silly, you know, but I keep an e-tool in my car because getting stuck is something that happens all the time and having an e-tool can really help dig you out of it, right? So again, we talk about most likely, most dangerous. So look at all the very likely minor issues that you could face, and then talk about the major stuff. And another thing I keep in my car is signaling devices, literally a uh, chem lights where you crack them, shake them, and they glow. It's a great way to give yourself ambient light. It's a great way to signal to others uh, that your car is where it is. Um, it can help tell people, drivers on the road, if they can't see your car in darkness, that it's there. So you, you start to see, you start to ask yourself, what can happen? 
What simple things can I do to make myself resilient in the event that can happen? And to zoom out a little bit, right? We talked about food, water, shelter. Some other things is, you know, more longer term stuff. And that's sort of where the preppers get a little preppery is when you ask yourself about, okay, longer term, well, what is longer term? Well, there's some people who are like, I want to survive indefinitely. I want to be entirely self-sustainable. Listen, I'm going to be honest. It's not possible. It's not possible. Human beings, since the day the first human being was born on this earth, were tribal. They worked together in, in teams, in 15, 20 packs, tribes. That's how human beings survive. We, we can... I mean, it's literally so unlikely that human beings alone can survive in any environment that there's whole shows where the contest is like, can you survive 100 days? 100 days, man, right? Not that long. So if your plan is to survive indefinitely as a, as a single person or even as a, as a family of, of, of two, uh, two adults and some kids, it's not going to happen. Don't plan for it. Don't act like you can plan for it, right? Now, what can you do, right? So what should you prepare for? Well, maybe you want to ask yourself, hey, how could I survive three months cut off? That's a tough bellwether to hit, right? It's a different set of equations you got to ask yourself because at that point, you've got to solve a bunch of other problems that emerge. How do you clean yourself? How do you clean your cookware, your utensils, right? Because again, if you're cut off from essential services, you don't have a game plan if you get sick. And the other question, what do you do if you get sick? Do you have essential medications? Um, do you have a way to filter or purify water? Do you have a way of sustainably getting more and more food? Um, or do you just have a large enough supply of food to last you that long? Do you have, um, again, the ability to maintain a shelter? Uh, you even things that you don't really think about like using the bathroom it's important it's important because it can be really if you don't have a good plan for that it can become uh, a real sanitation crisis if you don't contingent on these things right you got to ask yourself okay what happens if the security situation changes how do i prepare for those contingencies right and solving the I think more preppers or resilient people would do well to ask themselves, hey, how do am I resilient for 90 days, right? Again, look at the citizens of Ukraine. In places of that country, right, the, the level of instability they've experienced in just 45 days, right? Uh, massive changes to their security situation, their food availability situation, their living situation, and so you got to ask yourself, what can I do to make myself resilient in it last 45 days, 90 days, right? In the event of a crisis, you also run into the, the other stuff people don't talk about, which is communication. How do you know where you are, how to get to important places? Do you have a map of your local area? Do you know how to get to a fire station, the police station, the nearest hospital without GPS? I don't even think I do in, in the new place. And if you don't, you may want to have a paper map that just shows even just those key things, right? Uh, if you 
you know, can you communicate with others? Do you have like a, like a battery powered radio that you could hear say an emergency message being broadcast um, or other essential information about, I don't know, a, a shelter or something, right? If you don't have that access to that key information, right? That key information chain, either back and forth like a CB radio would give you, or even just literally a battery powered or hand crank radio that you can listen to emergency messages on, what are you doing buying more guns if you don't have these sort of basic things? Honestly, I think for like $200, you could put together a kit that's going to make you actually resilient in the face of um, problems, in the face of uh, you know loss of essential services, right? Um, that guns won't help you with. And that's, that's just the reality of it. Um, and so anyway... We're at 25 minutes. This is usually how long my rants go. If you have other ideas that you haven't thought about that I haven't talked about, let me know in the description. If you want me to cover more of this content, right? If you want me to talk more about what is the resilient, like what would my $200 resilience survival kit look like? Let me know. I'm happy to do an episode like that. Anyway, guys, this has been fun. Um, thanks so much to the patrons of Patreon. If you're interested in doing this uh patreon is the place link is in the description i give you more exclusive content uh thanks to our lieutenant tier patrons let's get them up here cole foster command unit caffeinated jack flavis chris duck shaka porter world time brandon oranges tilrin astro under z1 joker okay guys that's all i got thanks a lot i'll see you in the next one